This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy web show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with the healing vet. I'll tell you all about him and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EasyPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a doctor, a behaviorist, a dog trainer, an animal communicator and author, a foodie, a visual artist, a musician, an Australian born and raised, dog dad to Pearl and Mitzi, cat dad to Parvati and Fred, the healing vet, Dr. Edward Bassenthwaite. Welcome, Dr. Edward. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's kind of early in the morning here in Australia. Yes, yes. And it's uh, late in the evening over here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, before I go any further, anybody participating in our drinking game today, anytime you hear this word. The secret word is healing. Please take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but remember you have to be over 21 in the US. Always drink responsibly and never drink and drive, please. So I know you're not a drinker, Dr. Edward. So what are you having today? Well, I've got a cup of tea here first thing in the morning to keep me company. That's fun because I also have a cup of tea today because I know you weren't drinking and we're talking about healing. So I chose a cup of chamomile because to me, like... Anytime I'm sick, anytime since I was a little baby, anytime anybody's sick at home, we do chamomile. So cheers to you. Thanks for being on the show again. And uh, I'm excited to dig into all of the expertise you have to share with us today. No worries. Awesome. Okay. So I always introduce this show with a game. And this is a very special game because I've used it once before on our premiere episode with Tim Link, who's an animal communicator. And I've never had a veterinarian on on the show. You're the first veterinarian. And I wanted to dig into how woo-woo you are. So this game is called Woo-Woo Would You or Woo-Woo Would You Not? And it's actually my favorite game to play because it gives me so much insight into how open my guests are to alternative modalities. Are you ready to play? Yeah. All right. So you just tell me if you woo-woo would or woo-woo would not use this modality or this approach for your pets. The first one, the first one is pet Reiki. Woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not? Yeah, I use I use energy healing all the time with my animals. 
Okay, very good. Woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not acupuncture for your pets? Absolutely. Acupuncture can be very, very beneficial. Awesome. Woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not pet massage? Yeah, I do body work with my animals all the time. In fact, I teach body work and energy work for animals. Wonderful. And I'm not, I did not design these for you. This is something that the same questions I asked before. So it's just a coincidence that these are right up your alley, but they're about to get a little bit more out there. <laughs> All right. Next one. Walking pets in a stroller. Woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not? Only if they were very old and, you know, so rickety that they couldn't walk and still needed enrichment. So in some, some situations, I think it can be a great idea. Yeah. Awesome. How about wearing your pets woo woo would you or woo woo would you not wear your pets i don't think i would wear my pets no no okay woo woo would you or woo woo would you not use homeopathy for your pets yeah i use homeopathy in my practice and i've seen some some really good results with it awesome how about herbal remedies woo woo would you or woo woo would you not well absolutely but i don't even think they should be woo woo because they're awesome natural awesome. medicine very good. You know, that's it's you're so right. These are woo woo for some people, but completely an everyday approach for others. How about cooking for your pets? Woo woo would you or woo woo would you not? I don't cook for my pets. No, no. but are your pets on a raw diet that you prepare? Uh, I get a pre-prepared one. So I, I get a frozen commercial one here in Australia called Raw for Paws. So no cooking, but maybe preparing. Well, um, defrosting and putting it in the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't even know if that qualifies as preparing, but yes. Okay. How about leaving a TV on for your pet when you leave the house? Would you or would you not? I don't have a TV, so I can't. How about a radio? No, I don't leave a radio on for them. They don't need it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Last one. And I promise this is a real product that exists. I am not making this up. Woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not prosthetic testicular implants for neutered pets? I would absolutely never do that. I think <laughs> it's just all kinds of ridiculous. That is all kinds of ridiculous. I love that. That's the perfect answer for that question. Well, thank you for humoring me with that round of woo-woo would you or woo-woo would you not. So Dr. Edward, you are the first veterinarian to be on my show. So thank you. But you're not your average veterinarian. Uh, can you describe how you're different from what most people take their pets to when they're sick? Well, I'm, I'm a holistic veterinarian, which is... There's not too many of us around. There's, there's a few of us scattered everywhere around the world. And what that means is that I, I try to use natural treatments. I try to avoid prescription drugs and surgery unless they're really necessary. And, of course, if you're going to be really holistic, you've still got to be open to the allopathic medicine side of things because sometimes it really is needed and it is the best thing for animals. But so... And my sort of main focus is I've created a, a healing and bodywork modality called the whole energy body balance method, which I teach two different trainings. One is for bodywork and the other one is for energy healing. And that's really my main focus in terms of helping animals with silent pain, with trauma, with anxiety, and a whole lot of other stuff like that. Awesome. So you, I, I watched an interview you did um, a few years ago, and you said that your recommendation is for uh, pet parents to have both a traditional veterinarian, an allopathic veterinarian, and a holistic veterinarian 
on their pet care team. Is that right? And and can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So it's difficult with finding a holistic vet. If you don't have a holistic vet that lives in your area, you're going to need to have a relationship with a veterinary hospital because if your animal has an accident or has a sudden illness, you're going to need to take them to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. But I think Western medicine is very biased in, and has a very narrow view of what medicine should be because there's a whole lot of influences from industry and what you might call scientific orthodoxy. You know, for instance, I'm on a Facebook group for vets here in Australia and if you post anything about anything alternative, they delete the posts. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of bias and prejudice against holistic and alternative medicine even when there's some pretty damn good evidence to show that it can can work. You know, I was looking into some research on energy healing lately and there's some really good high-grade, properly randomised, blinded studies that show that energy healing can make a really significant difference to wound healing in mice. But scientific orthodoxy tends to ridicule even good evidence for this more alternative stuff, which is kind of annoying. So you are you were trained as a traditional veterinarian and you found your way into holistic uh, approaches. Is that what happened and how did that go down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up on a, on a cattle property or a ranch for you guys where you live in North Queensland in Australia. Had a very conservative upbringing. And when I graduated as a vet, I was a very standard conservative, regular type of vet. The first thing that happened was that I met a really beautiful, innovative horse vet who worked on horses' necks. And he could take horses with the fall in lameness that they had nerve blocked and x-rayed and tried to find out what's going on multiple times, couldn't find any reason for it. He'd work on the horses' necks and the lameness would go away. So that's really got me fascinated. And I started thinking, well, what about dogs and cats? You know, they have necks. (laughs) And we didn't get, I didn't get taught anything about that at university. So I just started getting my hands on animals and feeling deeper into their bodies and I started finding a whole lot of pain and tension and dysfunction that I didn't know was there before I started looking for it. Then, so that was sort of my first step into more alternative stuff and then about three or four years later I got really, really unwell with chronic fatigue syndrome and was so unwell that I couldn't work for about two or three years at all. had to go back home to the family farm and, and try to get well. And Western medicine was... A help in the beginning for a few of the major issues like stomach ulcers and a few other things and then it's like they ran out of answers and they ran out of ways to help me so I started really looking everywhere I could for other ways to try and get my well myself well and that's when I started coming across energy healing and a whole lot of other alternative stuff I found it made a big difference for me so then I started experimenting with bringing that into my practice as a veterinarian and I found that the animals responded really well to it too. Wow, that's wonderful. And how long have you had your own practice where you focus on these modalities? So the Healing Vet has been going for about eight years. Before that, for about seven years, I had another home visit practice called the Home Visit Vet in Townsville. And it's when I stepped into my own first home visit practice that I started to expand more and more into the the holistic and alternative medicine because, you know, I didn't have the freedom to do that when I was working in hospitals because a lot of the people really weren't very open to it. Well, it's interesting to me because you're in another country halfway around the world and it seems like Australia is just very similar in in the sense that they're not most people are not open to these alternatives and that still some of these things that we know work really well are still considered woo-woo 
or just not even an option. I'm always hopeful to see that other countries are maybe more progressive in that sense. Well, Australia is actually one of the least progressive countries in a lot of ways around this stuff. Um, Interesting. You know, homeopathy in particular, there was a government review into homeopathy a while ago, which the first lot of results they didn't like, so they threw them all out and got a whole other panel of people that were very biased against homeopathy and they didn't consider a whole lot of evidence that's pro-homeopathy and, yeah, not good at all. But there's actually a lot of people who are interested in alternative and holistic medicine here in Australia. It's more the the regulatory bodies in the government and the the Australian Veterinary Association and organisations like that that are very anti. Understood. And do you find that people, when they've exhausted, like you did, like you did, when they've exhausted the allopathic treatments, that's when they start looking into these alternatives? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, and you get other people that are that that's just what they want to do from from the beginning. That's how they want to. That's their primary sort of philosophy in caring for their animals. So it depends. On the people, but yeah, I, I do get a reasonable number of people of animals with cancer that it's like, what can you do to help palliate at least because they don't want to go down the route of chemo. And sometimes they just don't have the money to go down the route of chemo because it's kind of super expensive. Absolutely, absolutely. And you have this whole method of helping animals that I'm going to dig into once we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I am speaking with the healing vet, Dr. Edward Bassenthwaite out of Melbourne, Australia. He is a person that discovered and developed a healing modality that he now teaches to others around the world. So, Dr. Edward, can you tell us about your specific modality that you use and have basically been the founder and developer of? Yeah, it's called the Whole Energy Body Balance Method. It started off about 23 years ago, as I said, when Dr. Tom Ahern taught me about working on horses' necks. And ever since then, I've just, every animal I've seen, I've got my hands on them. And, and the animals that I've worked with have taught me all this, really. When I started doing this, there were no trainings in any hands-on modalities for companion animals. There was no Bowen massage, myotherapy, Emmet or any of these other things that are now, you know, you've got immense possibilities to go out and learn hands-on ways to help your pets with, with body work and massage and, and touch, intentional touch. But in those days, there was nothing. So I started teaching this about eight years ago, I suppose. And we went online about two years ago with the on, having all the trainings up online. So the, we have two flagship 
online trainings at the moment. We have web body work for pets, which is very much focused on the physical. And one of the biggest things you learn in that is how to assess for silent pain. So around about 53% of companion animals or pets have silent pain that their humans have no idea is there because they just don't show any signs of it. So, and you can't count on your vet to pick it up either, unfortunately, which doesn't mean they're bad vets. It just means they've never, most vets aren't even familiar with the concept of silent pain or neurofascial pain. And it's a particular hands-on skill to assess for it. It's easy to learn, but if you haven't learned it, you're not going to be able to do it. And the second training, which we've only just started mid last year for the first time is web energy work for animals, which is a high level training to use energy healing to help your animals, which I was just teaching on the weekend. And um, both of these trainings, you can learn just to look after your own pets, or you can become a certified practitioner and make a business out of it. And if you really love the work, we have teacher training so that you can become a teacher to teach other practitioners. That's so cool. So I am familiar with craniosacral therapy that we use on humans. Mm -hmm. Is this something similar to craniosacral therapy? Uh, craniosacral therapy is one thing that we teach in the bodywork part of it. So we, we teach some craniosacral techniques and skills. But what you learn in web bodywork is, is a really broad range of hands-on skills from very light, delicate touch through yeah. a really deep, core release and mobilization of core structures of the body. Uh, you learn how to use movement and pulsing to open up restrictions and um, tension in the physical structures of the body. So there's about 20 different skills that you learn in the training. Wow, that's amazing. So is the acronym WEBB WEB? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And can you give us some practical or and I guess anecdotal improvements that you've seen just so I think most pet parents don't even know where they would begin to use something like this but I'm sure it has everyday uses yeah look I, I work with my animals I um, do little bits all the time and then I'll do a longer session at other times in terms of animals I've worked with you know a couple come to mind there was a, a lovely shih tzu cross called Dougie who Dougie's groomer told his dad that she thought Dougie had body pain and he should come and see me. And Dougie's dad thought, this is a lot of nonsense. But he, 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 I'll go anyway because I love my dog. And um, when I got my hands on Dougie, he had a lot of pain in his body. And his dad was kind of really upset to realize that his dog was in pain. He had none. So we did a series of treatments with Dougie. And Dougie went from a dog that just sat on the couch and wasn't very engaged with life, had some really big changes in behavior. He um, became a lot more playful. Instead of just curling up on the back seat of the car, he'd be up looking out the window and, you know, really big changes it's him. Another one was Benny, who's a 12-year-old ex-racing greyhound that I did a series of treatments with. Uh, he started playing with toys for the first time in his life. He went from a, a grumpy old man sitting on his bed and not wanting to have anything to do with people to a dog that was actively seeking a whole lot of attention and touch. And he also became the world's naughtiest puppy at the age of 12. He started doing, you know, tearing things up and getting into bins <laughs> and a whole lot of behaviours that they'd never seen in all the years they'd had him. Wow. And the third one would be Clyde, who was a, a staffy who came to me because he had severe separation anxiety. So he was literally tearing all the plasterboard off the walls when he was left alone at home. Very, very destructive. And after two weeks of a lot of, you know, so there was a mother and two daughters in that family and they all did a lot of the somatic relaxation technique, which is a particular 
body work skill that causes a deep body level relaxation response. And after two weeks of that, Clyde was so relaxed that he wasn't even getting off his bed when his mum came home for a shift. They moved home about a month after that, which is a stressful thing for a dog. And I think he chewed up one curtain and then was back to back to fine. So wow. very, very amazing response from him. So this is not just something for physical pain, but it can also help with anxiety. It's really good for anxiety and over-arousal behaviour issues. So one of the big problems for dogs with humans is that humans love to razz up their dogs. They love to have an excited, crazy dog doing a lot of high-impact, high-arousal play. And it's not necessarily a good thing for a dog. A small amount of high-arousal, high-impact play each day, you know, 10 minutes or something like that is great. But if you've got your dog continually in a state of arousal, then their whole nervous system gets biased into and stuck into an aroused state when the natural state of a dog, you know, 95% of the time should be healthy relaxation. Wow. A lot of dogs don't do that because, and also a lot of dogs have a whole lot of anxiety because they're very strongly affected by their human stress levels. And most humans have quite a bit of stress. So the body work, yes, can really, really help with anxiety, phobias, dogs that have had abuse and trauma, rescue dogs, that sort of thing, very, very much. Okay, so let's talk one, just go deeper, just a little bit, pun intended, I guess, into the body work. So the body work, you work with the fascia, is that right? Is that where a lot of that tension is kept? Is that why it helps with the anxiety and the uh, stress? Well, it's the neuro, what I call the neurofascial network. So the fascia is all the connective tissue in the body. It's um, everything that fascia gives, everything in the body, its shape and structure. It's like the scaffolding of all the organs on every dimension, right down to microscopic. And there's a lot of nervous tissue in the fascia. So there's a, a, a lot of sensory information that's coming from the fascia into the central nervous system the whole time. So the main cause of silent pain, silent chronic pain is neurofascial pain. That's where it lives. And what what happens is that every time you get a a trauma in the body, like you'll get acute pain, but acute pain is really easy to see because there's a change, right? You get a change in behavior in animals with acute pain. Every time there's acute pain, bang, you'll see it straight away. But the chronic silent pain builds up really slowly over the years and it builds up so slowly that there's no change in behavior that you can see as a human when you're living with the animal. And it's in the background, this chronic silent pain. There's no change in it. So there's no change in behavior often to be able to pick up what's going on. And would you agree that dogs, especially with chronic pain that comes on slowly, that they really, they're very resilient and they hide that pain to begin with. So it's even harder because they're dogs for us to recognize pain when it comes on so slowly. Yeah, there's a very, very deep survival instinct in all animals to hide pain. Because if you're out in the wild and you show weakness, everything that is going to say, oh, that's dinner, (laughs) there. You know, so there's a, and even in, in, if we talk about dogs, in a pack of wild dogs, sometimes if one of the pack is sick or injured, all the other ones will turn on them and kill them. So there's this very, very deep survival instinct in our dogs and cats and, you know, bunnies or any other animal that's a domestic pet to hide pain, to not show weakness. And that's a problem for the humans because then you're not going to see any behavior often with chronic pain to let you know there's a problem. The only way to be sure is to learn how to assess for it hands-on, to palpate into the body, feel into the body, and be able to read your animal's responses to that touch. 
Awesome. And you've mentioned working with pets. What species do you include in this therapy? Um, well, the, the way body work for pets is for companion animals. So dogs, cats, and you could, you know, it could be bunnies and ferrets and chickens and um, chinchillas or any other small companion chickens animal. Chickens too? Really? Chickens too? Yeah. I was thinking maybe just mammals, but wow, that's impressive. You could work on reptiles with this as well. You know, they all have the same sort of basic thing with fascia in their body that you can work with. Awesome. Very cool. So what else would you recommend apart from this? Do you usually give like a simultaneous supplementation recommendation to go with your treatments? Look, the first thing I recommend to everyone who comes to me with an animal is to get their animal onto a fresh whole foods diet. It can be either raw or cooked, but that's the first thing is to get away from processed foods. That can make a huge impact. The second thing that I recommend is to never ever revaccinate an animal without getting a teeter test first to check the antibody levels and see if it's a necessary vaccination or not. So for all that the veterinary industry screams out about you know we need an evidence base all over the world veterinary organizations are completely ignoring the evidence base on vaccination so there's a guy called dr ronald schultz from the states who did a whole lot of research on on vaccination and duration of immunity of vaccination and the modified live vaccines the f3 and c3 for the core vaccinations for cats and dogs that we use these days give a long lasting immunity of at least five to seven years and often longer. And what's happening is that there are still millions and millions of animals every month getting yearly and three yearly so-called boosters, which is one of the most manipulative and flat out awful terms to use for what's going on because they're not boosters. If you're giving a vaccination to an animal that's already got high levels of antibody, the antibody latches onto the vaccine so the body can't respond to it. And all you're doing is giving an opportunity to, to have vaccination injury, which I see a hell of a lot of. And it's it's really complex. I'm, I'm aware of this and I followed. There's an organization here in the United States whose name escapes me right now and I'll put it in comments and I'll link it. But there is a doctor who was giving partial doses to his uh, smaller pets and was actually reported, almost lost his license. It's because he was, they're not dosed. The vaccines are not dosed. So smaller pets tend to have greater injuries. And a lot of states require the annual vaccine like i think it's alabama or mississippi they require an annual rabies vaccine even though there's really no reason for it like you no, said there's, 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 there's plenty of evidence that the rabies vaccine lasts longer and the rabies vaccine is a pretty horrid reactive vaccine and then you know you get in the uk where they have now made the leptospirosis vaccine a core vaccine. And there is no justification for that evidence-wise that I could possibly imagine. And it is also a very reactive and not very effective vaccine that I would only consider for animals in places like tropical North Queensland, cane farming, very, very wet with a lot of very high risk. And even then, I'd probably think twice about it. Yeah, I mean, with vaccinations, that's something I've seen. I've lived in many places in the United States and different vets have different regions should have different recommendations based on the risk factors for each yeah. pet in that region. Absolutely. And I've been lucky because I have found vets that were other than the rabies vaccine, which is legally required. Most of my veterinarians were very comfortable with me declining certain things based on just our conversations, but that's not the case for everybody. So apart from the diet and from talking to your vet about the true 
true need for vaccinations. Are there supplements that you think every pet should have or not? Supplements can be great. I mean, you guys in the States, if you want really good quality supplements, um, Dr. Peter DeVias has a fantastic line of, of supplements. I highly recommend his, his supplements. Unfortunately, we can't really get them here in Australia. But otherwise, I'm not big on supplements. If you've got a healthy dog, there's not really much more need than a healthy diet, really. I mean, you can add in some omega acid, omega fatty acids, and you can add in a whole lot of stuff. Some dogs will do a bit better with them, some won't. So it's a bit of a, you need to look into your own circumstances with that. Absolutely. So what can you tell me about the senior process? Like the, at some point, all of us will see our dogs or our cats decline considerably their mobility affected severely by either a degenerative disease or just age and arthritis, other than something like a therapy, like what you do, a modality where it's actual hands on. Um, is there anything else that might help? Look, there's a lot of things that can help. And if you learn how to do body work for your pets and you do it consistently, you'll keep them younger for a lot longer. So my, my whippet's 14 years old now and she can still jump up on this table that I'm sitting at, the massage wow. table, wow. which is pretty cool for a 14-year-old whippet. Now, a lot of that's because she's only been vaccinated once in her life and she has healthy food and she gets body work. Two supplements that are really good for older animals, uh, maybe three even. One is greenlit muscle extract is a fantastic supplement to help slow down and reduce the pain and inflammation from arthritis. Uh, you better to start that earlier rather than later. Probably around six or seven is a good time to start that. So you're being a little bit proactive and getting in before you get that chronic inflammatory disease. Golden paste can be really good as a, a natural anti-inflammatory. And the best medicine of all for old animals and probably just about any animal is CBD. So if you can get a whole plant extract of CBD organically grown, preferably grown outside under the sunlight. I mean, you have Charlotte's Web is a good brand in the States and Indivita is another good brand that's in the States as well. But CBD is a really good medicine. It helps. It's fantastic for pain. It can really help dogs with dementia too. I've had a few dogs respond amazingly well and have a big improvement in dementia symptoms on CBD. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for that. That's huge. Is there a way that you do virtual consultations for people who might just really respond to your message today and want to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can. Um, I do have some space for, for consultation. I'm so busy with the teaching stuff that I don't have a lot of space, but there, you might have to wait a little while to get in, but there is space for that. You could contact us at the contact form at thehealingvet.com. And if I also have regular free webinars, which I'll give you some links to so you can put them in the comments and people can come along to the next ones if they want to. Wonderful. And if, if they come along to the webinars, there's a like a 60% discount off the online trainings too if you attend the webinars. And tell us a little bit more about who you intend the trainings for. Obviously, we've talked about for pet parents who want to use the modalities on themselves, but what pet professional might be interested in learning more about these trainings? Look, it could be anyone. It could be from someone who has had no experience and wants to get into working with animals and have either earning a bit of pocket money or having a side hustle 
or building a career in making a difference for animals. It could be anyone who's already working with animals in any professional capacity from training through to vet techs, vet nurses, through to people who physios or chiropractors or body workers for humans and want to branch out to working with animals, right through to veterinarians or anyone really who just wants to, you know, have a pretty fun job playing with dogs. That is awesome. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a really good option, especially now with COVID, with a lot of pet professionals kind of being on the slow end of business right now because people are home and not traveling as much. Maybe it's a nice thing to add to their list of services. I think that's a really great opportunity. And where can somebody learn about your t- your trainings? Well, wholeenergybodybalance.com is the main core website. And Coming along to the webinars is a really good place to start. So this Wednesday, which is same time tomorrow, we have our regular two-weekly introductory web fundamentals workshop, about a 45-minute workshop and practice session. So some people come back again and again so they can keep joining in and practicing. And then next Friday, which would be the same time on Thursday next week for you guys, (laughs) here at 9am in the morning, though I think your show probably doesn't go to air until a different time. Then I have a whole masterclass on silent pain, on understanding, finding and treating silent pain for your pets. That is really, I mean, what a skill to have. If somebody were to get a puppy right now and start this class right now, they could really extend the quality of life of their pet. I'm I'm finding this fascinating and I don't know anything about your programs or how much they cost, but I think that it's quite the investment. People spend a lot of money on other things. This might be something that is actually more beneficial than most options out there. Yeah. And look, we, we keep the programs affordable. If you compare it to your routine or emergency vet visits, it's definitely even the highest level packages are way less than your average emergency visit with a, with a real problem. Wow, that's wonderful to know. Well, I could really truly talk to you all day and ask you questions all day, but I won't. I just want to wrap this up by thanking you for being a part of the show. Here's to you for all of uh, your contributions to the pet community. I so appreciate you being here. I also want to propose a toast to our executive producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible to our listeners on Pet Life Radio and our viewers on YouTube. Thanks so much for spending your time with us and learning from our experts here on Covered in Pet Hair. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. Thank you. To learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, visit CoveredInPetHair.com or PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.